All right. Church, are you excited? I am so uh, honored to be a part of what God is doing here. And first time back in Lithopolis in a few weeks. And uh, I just want to say hello to my Lancaster family. I want you to make some noise. Last week, just so Lithopolis knows, was a huge week for us in Lancaster because we announced that God has sent us a full team. We officially have a brand new CC Kids Director, Eddie Warren, and a new groups pastor, Pastor Steve Rao in Lancaster. Brand new team. We celebrated. And uh, I'm just so honored to, to be a part. As, as Pastor Tim said, we're not related. He stole my nepotism joke. We don't share the last uh, same name, but we do share the same heart. And I just want to say this, especially if you're brand new and you're like, who is this weird looking guy with apparently a southern accent that is speaking to you right now? Uh, I am the new uh, campus pastor in Lancaster, and I moved here from Atlanta about two and a half months ago. And uh, grew up in Greenville, South Carolina, and was there. We got some Greenville fans. I love it. We grew up in Greenville, South Carolina, most of my life. I spent some time in Lexington, Kentucky as part of a church plant. Spent the last five years in Atlanta, and then knew that God was about to uh, transition me somewhere. And as I was praying, I'll never forget when Pastor Tim called me, and I could hear just over the phone in his heart, the heart of someone that really believed that a church shouldn't just be an existence to keep church people fat and happy, but it should exist to transform an entire community. That the church did not just exist to be a museum for the saints, but a hospital for the sick. That it existed to not just be status quo, but to let the fire of God consume us with a zeal that there is no one outside of the reach of God's love. And therefore, nothing should stop us by the power of the Holy Spirit of transforming a community for the hope of Christ. And, uh, and so I remember that conversation and I remember coming up here and meeting some of the team and meeting Pastor Zach and Lithobos. Can you just give it up for your campus, Pastor, Pastor Zach? Um, as I got here, I fell in love with the team right away. Uh, just They just became family. And here's what I know. I, I know this. When you're new in a place, there's always that initial feeling out process, right? Like, can I trust that person? And do I, do I you know, I got to get to know that person. And, and so maybe you're still there. You're like, I don't know who the heck you are. Why are you at my campus right now? But I just want to say this. Uh, on my end, just immediately, I've just felt at home. And like, this is family. Uh, just in the matter of a couple months, and um, I just want to thank you for that. I was able to come here. Pastor Zach and I have been meeting just weekly, uh, just talking about you, talking about the future of our church and what God is doing here, and just learning from him. And, and uh, I just want to say this. I think you know this, but it can just be very easy to become familiar with what you're used to, but it is an incredible privilege for us to stand under the leadership that God has given Pastor Tim and the incredible direction and the incredible vision. And, you know... Before I, before I moved here, I, I watched him online, and, you know, charismatic gifted speakers are a dime a dozen, but I'll never forget, Scott, my first uh, few times I, I watched Pastor Tim, I was here in Lithopolis, and I was at the one, the, the worship night, uh, and I remember my first few times I got to sit on the front row, and I remember I was, I was seated close enough to watch and see that every single time I watched him preach, those first three times, he did not get through a message without tears in his eyes. That may seem like a small thing, but I remember calling my friends back in Atlanta and I said, there is something not just about the gifting of Pastor Tim, but about the heart. And uh, we as a team were going through some of his old notes. I'm just rambling now. I hope that's okay. But we were going through some of his old notes that he wrote before uh, this church was planted over 15 years ago. And the vision and the mission, the core values that God gave to Pastor Tim are the exact same as they were 15 years ago. And so I don't know if you know that that's not normal. 
but that's not normal. And uh, I'm just so honored to be uh, here, and thank you for allowing me to share the word. Once again, if you're new, oh, I'm just so thankful this is the kind of place where it doesn't matter where you come from, and it doesn't matter whether you've come a million times or this is your first time, you're welcome. And if you're still checking out this whole Jesus thing, there's no better place for you to be than right here. This is the kind of place where you belong before you believe, and it doesn't matter what you bring in here, your family already. And uh, it's an honor to, to be able to, to do this together. And you've stepped into week three of Difference Maker. How many were here last week for our uh, Give Back Project? Incredible uh, $20,000 giving to empower this community to bless people. And the stories that have been coming back, this sounds like church talk, but have been nothing short of supernatural. In fact, on Wednesday, Pastor Rick and Kevin are going to be doing radio interviews about some of the stories that have been coming back, and uh, I, I encourage you to check that out. But we're in week three, and can I just tell you, I'm that kind of person, I don't know about you, I'm just so thankful that church can be fun. Are, are you thankful for that? That it doesn't have to be a drudgery? And so, I'm a little bit of a needy preacher. I, I love like crowd participation. I think it makes things more fun. So I just wanna, just to do this, just to lighten it up a little bit, just turn to the person beside you. If you've had an Altoid or a Mint and your breath is acceptable, just turn to them, look to them right in their eyes and just ask them, say, is that a new shirt? Just ask them. Lancaster, come on, just ask them. Say, is that a new shirt? All right, turn to the other person that you just ignored and were rude to and and tell them, say, I'm so glad I got to sit beside you today. I'm so glad that I got to sit beside you today. All right. And, and today, I really do believe that, that God has something special he wants to say to me and you. But what I also believe is that really the power of today is going to be in what we process this week. And so I'm, I'm a former student pastor. I used to tell my students, this may sound cheesy, but I really believe this, whether you're a teenager or you're an adult, that note takers are history makers. And I believe there's something powerful about stewarding the words that God speaks to you and treasuring that and having that to look back on. It does something more to seal it in your mind and your heart. So I just want to encourage you, if, if the Lord kind of highlights something from this talk, that, that you would journal that and just take that home this week and process. But you stepped into week three of Difference Maker, and the premise is very simple. It's this. It's, I don't know about you, but I don't want to waste my life. Can I get an amen? Anybody else? I, I don't want to just take a paycheck and get married. I do want to get married one day. But get married and then die and then just that be it. God's put eternity in your heart and my heart. And he's put the DNA of a difference maker in every single person in this room. And, and he's put, because there is, and this is, I was having uh, breakfast at Big Boy's Frishes. Are you familiar with that, Big Boy Frishes? That is a really big deal in Lancaster. We love it, don't we? So, uh, but I was having breakfast at, at uh, Big Boy's. I just, I hate, I actually wish they had changed the name. But I was having breakfast at Frisch's. <laughs> We're good. Pastor Zach is snoring on the front row of Lancaster. I just want you to know that. Take a note. Let the records note that Pastor Zach is snoring on the front row. Anyways, I'm going to get my thoughts together and talk about Jesus. You ready? I'm ready. Let's go. So they love, we love Frisch's in Lancaster, and I was having breakfast with a volunteer, and he's like, you know, share with me your heart, what's your vision? And I knew what he's asking, because the truth is, my job is to come up under the vision that God's already given Pastor Tim, not reinvent, and just for us to advance God's kingdom in Lancaster, and we've been seeing amazing things, but I think you're just asking me, like, what makes you tick, right? Like, what makes you tick? What is it that makes you get out of bed in the morning? And I don't know about you, but for me, I'm just that person that is a weird eighth grade kid. When God got a hold of me, I have an obsessive personality, and I've never been able to get over the grace of God. 
I've never been able to get over the awe and the wonder and the mystery of God. And I, I was very fortunate to be around people that I, I just saw God use their lives in a mighty way. And, and, and I saw the miraculous and I saw people that just tapped into the God-given potential inside of them. And for me, I just know that no matter what and no matter how long I serve Jesus, I will never even scratch the surface of all that he is and all who he is and all that he wants to do, not just in me, but through me. And I never want to become satisfied in that. I want to be thankful, but not satisfied. And I think the overflow of that is when I get around people, whatever small part I can play and inspiring people that even if you serve God for 50 years, we're going to spend an eternity of eternity discovering the glories and the beauty and the majesty of who Jesus is. And on this planet, there is unlimited potential of what God cannot just do in you, but through you. My favorite verse of all time, Ephesians 3.20 says, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above anything we could ever ask, think, or imagine in our wildest dreams it's the dash right between our birth date and our death date that small little dash on every tombstone and this series is about how are you and I going to use that dash to make a difference but if you're anything like me the tension becomes you, you get real inspired by that kind of talk and then you're if you're anything like me even me after I preach this message I'm going to go home today and I'm going to look in the mirror and say but I know who I am right Anybody honest? I know who I am. I know my imperfections. I know my flaws. I know, look, I, I know my, my insecurities. My, I know my inadequacies. Any, anybody like me at times, maybe it's shame. And, and you're just like, I know that God wants to do great things through my life, but I know what I did last year or five years or 10 years ago. And I'm convinced the enemy whispers lies in my ears that I, I'll never be able to be used by God again. Or maybe you're like me and you just, you focus on what you're bad at instead of what you're good at. I hear Joey and Pastor Trey lead worship, and I think, man, I can do that. And then I sing in the shower, and it sounds like turtles are being slowly tortured. And, and angels begin to cry, and I just, I'm like, no, that's not, that's not how God's gifted me. Anybody else? Okay, you guys are all angels. You can sing beautifully. But for me, I look at that. Anybody like me, I wish God had graced me a little bit more vertically, you know? I, 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 look, at, I look at the different areas of my life, and I'm like, but God, like, I see, but Okay, I know all, I know greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world, but you see this limitation I have. And Jesus speaks directly into that tension today. And in Matthew 25, and, and I'm not going to read through the whole thing. You can read through it today. I'm going to save the trouble of reading through a long passage and some of you falling asleep. And so I want to encourage you to read through it uh, later this week. But in Matthew 25, Jesus tells a parable. And if you're new to church, parable is simply a fancy word for story. Jesus knew that the human heart doesn't necessarily connect with sets of rules and lists of principles as much as it does story. And so he tells stories to illustrate kingdom principles or to bring to truth and to life the, who God is and who we are and things about life. And so he tells this story and he goes like this. Are you ready? All right, turn to your neighbor. You got a breath minute now. I saw you do it. Just tell him, say, I'm ready. You ready, Janice? Let's go. Turn to your neighbor. Say, let's go. Let's go, let's go, let's go. All right, so Jesus tells a story, and this is what he says. He says, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who uh, goes on a long trip, and he leaves his servants in charge of his business while he leaves. So I, I used to tell this story to, to students. I said, just imagine this. A lot of them worked at Subway. But wherever you work in life, maybe uh, at your construction site or at a hospital or at a school, whatever it is in your life, your boss says, hey, here's the deal. I'm checking out for about four years. I'm going to Waikiki. I'll be back four years from now. And some of you, you're praying like, Jesus, that would be the answer to my prayers. That would be amazing. That would be wonderful. I, there is a God. Um, 
But he leaves for four years and he says, and while I leave, I'm putting you in charge of some things. And he puts different employees in charge of different things. One employee puts in charge of, uh, and this is what the, the way Jesus told it. He said he put one servant in charge of five bags of silver. He put another serv- servant in charge of two bags of silver. And then he put another servant in charge of one bag of silver. So imagine, so, he, okay, maybe, maybe the boss goes away and he says, okay, you're in charge of 50% of the share of the company. You're in charge of 20% of the share of the company. You're in charge, and can you imagine, I just thought about this, can you imagine being the guy with one bag of silver? Thinking, I'm gypped. I mean, we laugh, but some of, some of us in the room, we feel that way. Like, okay, all of this talk about God using me in a mighty way and me making a difference is great, but I got one bag of silver. I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. I'm from a broken home. I didn't grow up with a dad. I don't have a lot of money in my bank account. I don't have the giftings that that person has. I don't look as pretty as she is. I can't sing like that guy can sing. I can't speak like that person can speak. Lord, I have a jaded past. I got a checkered history. I don't have much in my hands. I feel like I got one bag of silver. And why did you jit me and give them five? Anybody? And so... He speaks into this and he's like, okay, so one bag of silver, two bags of silver, five bags of silver, what's going to happen? And so he comes back and here's the way the story plays out. He talks to the guy with the five bags of silver and says, okay, what did you do with it? And the guy said, man, I invested it. I put it to work and I doubled it. And now I have 10. And Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. Now that you've been faithful with a little, I'm going to put you in charge of much more. And then the person with two bags of silver, same thing, doubled it. Four bags of silver. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You're going to enter into the joy of the Lord. And since you've been faithful with two bags of silver, I'm going to put you in charge of much more. Then the person with one bag of silver, this is where it gets a little heavy. She says, what did you do? And he says, well, master, he did what, can I just be honest? What I almost would be tempted to think is wise. He said, well, master, I knew you were a tough person to work for. I knew you were harsh, so I hid it in the dirt so that it wouldn't be taken away, and I still got your one thing of silver. And Jesus, loving Jesus, happy little lamb Jesus, (laughs) says, you wicked and lazy servant. If you would have put it on deposit, you could have at least had something to show. This really is kind of part two of the story from last week, the, the message that Pastor Tim shared about how you and I can be tempted sometimes to hide our talents out of fear instead of to invest them in faith. And here's the deal. So what do we do with this story? Here's the beautiful principle. And if you don't write down anything else, here's what I want you to remember. Jesus will not hold you and I accountable for what we have in our hands. He'll only hold us accountable for what we do with what's in our hands. Jesus will not hold you accountable for the talents that you don't have, the money that you don't have, whatever you don't have. He'll just say, whatever I have given you, what are you going to do with what I put in your hands? And the beautiful thing that we found out from last week is that just a few loaves and fishes in the hands of Jesus, stewarded well by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, God can breathe on and multiply exponentially, supernaturally for his glory. I just want to pause real quick and uh, just ask you a few minutes into this. Um... Can you tell I'm from the South? Yep, okay. So, so, can I just tell you, just, just, a, just a sidebar. I have never in my life been told, I mean, I, Scott's laughing a little bit. It's not funny. But I, I remember, I've never been told in all my life that I have a Southern accent. And then I, I get to Lancaster a few weeks ago, and I'm doing my announcements. And, and people are coming up to me, and they're like, Pastor Russ. 
And I'm just thinking they're just going to say how wonderful I am or, you know, great job or man, just been praying over you. Here's a thousand dollars. Just want to invest, you know, in what God's doing in your life. And, but they said, we just love your accent. And I said, what accent? You guys think I have an accent? You're laughing to our Lancaster. I, so there's two things that I've heard myself say now. I catch myself saying because, and let's, let's just do a poll. Uh, say the following word, W-O-N apostrophe T. Okay. Now W-A-N-T. Oh, okay. So in my mind, that has always been pronounced the same. So I say, I won't do that or I want uh, a water. And now, even as I say it, it, it sounds bad. So occasionally I'll be in staff and I'll see Pastor Rick start grinning. And I'm like, what are you laughing at? And he's like, I'm Russ from Atlanta and I want a tea. I'll say, I hate you so much. And, and then we don't talk for a week. But bear with me and don't laugh at me. But Jesus has something to say. And here's what it is for me and you today. And it's the same thing. I don't know if you remember the story of Moses, if you're brand new to church, but Moses is this guy that, that, that God uses in a mighty way, but he has a checkered past because out of anger one time he kills a guy, goes to the backside of a desert for 40 years, probably thinks he's a has-been. God catches up to him at a burning bush, and Moses does the same thing you and I do. He makes excuses and talks about his insecurities, and God says, Moses, what's in your hand? He says, but God, I can't speak well. I don't have this. I'm a has-been. I've got a really bad past. And God bypasses his excuses and says, what's in your hand? The same thing Jesus says to the disciples. And they're like, well, Lord, we only have a few loaves and fish. What can we do? And Jesus says, what's in your hand? And I believe Jesus is asking you today, and he's asking me today, the same thing he asked through Old and New Testament. And that's this. If we can just put our palms out, if you don't mind, put your palms out. He's asking this, what's in your hand? And today, I just want, if you can give me permission, I desire, not want, I desire, if you can give me permission to speak into your life and tell you that every single thing you need to make a dent in eternity, to make an impact in this life, to make a difference is already in your hands. Already in your hands. And Jesus won't hold you accountable for what you have. He'll only hold you accountable for what you do with what you have. And so I, I just want to give you a couple areas of life. I don't know about you. I'm one of those weird people that gets excited about the new year and I think about 2019 and I've already got like theme for the year and vision for the year. I'm a little ambitious. Let's hope that I knock out half of it. But I just love to get like a really tall coffee and just get in a corner and just pray and ask God for vision and, and say, okay, this is the area of my life. And here's what I, I desire to accomplish this year. And I get really excited about that. But I just want to give you a couple areas, whether you're single or if you got a family, this would be a great thing throughout this week to take the different areas of your life and just say, Lord, what is in my hands that I've just missed? Or that I've not stewarded. And God, how can you breathe on this area for your glory? Are you ready? So a few, few areas. Uh, number one, if you're taking notes, is time. Everybody say time. Uh, I heard somebody say one time that uh, the greatest gift that God gives us, aside from Jesus, is life. And guess what? Life is made of time. And so I'm constantly, especially as I'm getting older and I have people around me get sick and loved ones die, I'm constantly asking God, how am I stewarding the time that you've given me? I, re I read a proverb uh, a couple years ago that haunted me. Proverbs 7:18 in the message translation says that a life frittered away disgusts God. I don't know about you, but uh, just as kind of like a borderline millennial, 
um, who can be on social media too much. Anybody like me, sometimes you get up to do your devotional or you're going to bed at night or maybe you're in the middle of an important task and you just start scrolling Instagram and then you look down and spend 30 minutes and you're like, where's my life gone? Y'all are too holy. Anybody? Like you, you just, you're like, where's my life gone? And, and the, the older I get, I'm, the more I'm like, okay, the more I'm realizing that, that time is like money. If I don't budget it, I, I won't tell it where to go. I'm going to wonder where it's went. And my intentions won't matter. I'm going to look back three years from now and say, how did I invest those three years that I'll never get back for the glory of God and to actually prioritize what's important? I want to be that person. I don't know about you. I desire to be that person. I don't know about you. That doesn't just let life happen to me, but happens to life. I want to be, I desire to be that person that lives proactively and not reactively. I desire to be that person that doesn't just spend my time responding to the urgent, but prioritizes what's important. I heard a leadership guru say uh, a few years ago, he said that when he was in his early years of ministry, someone was kind enough to sit him down and say, the most important thing you can do with your life is to steward your time. And because of that, because of that, the holiest endeavor you could ever embark on is the prayerful arranging of your calendar. To budget your time in a way that actually bends your life towards what matters. How am I stewarding my time. And other ones, money. I, I know this is like the cardinal sin. If you're preaching for the first time, you don't, you don't talk about money, but let's just put it this way. Let's, let's get on common ground. Could anybody use more? Okay. Nine hands went up in Lithopolis. I, I hope there's some honesty in, in lecture that every hand went up. I, I just need Jesus. I don't care about money. Okay. Well, <laughs> you give it to me. Um, <laughs> But I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I realize if my whole life belongs to Jesus, then even my money is his to steward for eternal purposes. And, you know, I, I remember when, when I was young, I was, I was fortunate enough to have an elder of the church that I grew up in bring me aside one day and say, Russ, you know, the first fruits, the first 10% of what you have belongs to Jesus. And your 90% blessed will always go much further than just your 100% in your own hands. And I'll never forget from an early age, I was fortunate. Anybody like me, you've done a lot of stupid things with money. I've done a lot of stupid things with money. But fortunately for me, from a young age, I, I just wove that pattern into my life. And I'll never forget 2009, I think I told you I moved to Lexington, Kentucky and to be part of a church plant. And I was a young kid in my early 20s. Fortunately, the lead pastor had, uh, had kind of as a... A requirement all of the team moving up as part of the church plant to go through the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University but I was in the early early stages right early early stages and I remember I got up there and I had a Jeep Grand Cherokee can you picture me driving a Jeep Grand Cherokee okay <laughs> moving on uh, but so I had a Jeep Grand Cherokee and it was starting to break <laughs> Pastor Rick's laughing too hard it was starting to break down it was starting to break down and I remember I just moved there and you may not believe this but I'm not much of a car guy I'm not much of a car guy, and so I didn't really, so, so I called this guy that worked at a car lot, and I said, man, I'm, I'm brand new. I just met him at church. He was from Lexington, Kentucky. I said, man, I could really use some help. I, I'm just, he, he wasn't a mechanic. He was a car salesman, but he knew people, obviously, at the dealership, and I said, I'd love to bring my Jeep in to, to get checked out, and I just got down on my knees that morning, and I just prayed a very simple prayer. I said, God, I know you provide for your children, and I've not been perfect, but I've tried to put you first. I've tried to steward what you've put in my hands to the best of my ability. I've made a lot of mistakes, but thank you, God, for your grace. Anybody thankful for the grace of God, that his grace triumphs our mistakes? 
And I just, I, I just desire to say this too. As, you, as we go through these different areas, I, I just really feel like telling you, Jesus doesn't, doesn't give this teaching to exhaust us, but to excite us. At the end of the day, it is the grace of God from salvation to the end. And this is not a performance thing. This is an excitement thing that, God, you have given me everything that I need. So to the best of my ability, I'm just going to invite you to the process. And like Colossians says, whether I eat or drink, I'm going to do all to the glory of God. And I'm going to invite the power of the Holy Spirit into whatever you've given me into my hands. And I'm going to ask you to breathe on it. And I know that you'll be able to do far more than I could ever imagine. So this isn't a performance thing. This is an excitement thing. There's unlimited potential in our hands. I just want to say that, but I, I, I said, so you got to help me, man. I, I'm going to come in. And so I'll never forget. I get to the dealership and, and, uh, he introduces me to somebody that takes, uh, us on a ride and, and me and this stranger, I just met her driving down the road. And again, me not being a car guy and this guy, him being a car guy, whatever he was saying sounded like Portuguese to me. He's one of the, I mean, he's just one of those guys, you know, like, yeah, man, it's the triple double turbo nine X or charge carburetor. And, Man, it's just, it's got a lot of oil leakage and, and gasoline fluids just leaking through the thing. <laughs> and uh, I said, yeah, that's what I've been thinking. I, I you know, I noticed that. Um, and he said, well, he said, man, you know what? I just feel something about you. I, man, I want to take care of you. He said, it, it'd be about $300 for the brakes. It ended up being brakes, whatever the Chinese Mandarin uh, dialect was describing, but it was the brakes. And he said, no, I want to pay for that for you. And I said, Praise you, Jesus, like you, you're on the throne, you know, like one of those moments. And, and I remember I was so excited. And, and so he paid for him. He said, but you still need to get the engine checked out. And I said, oh, no. So he sent me across the parking lot. Right about that time, a guy that I just met at church in Lexington pulls across. And he says, hey, Pastor Russ, what are you doing here? And I said, man, just getting my car checked out and about to have the engine checked out. He said, well, when you get done having the engine checked out, please just come see me. I said, okay, fine. And had the engine checked out, $800 to repair the engine. $800, you're not re re reacting. $800, <laughs> I wanted to cry. $800 to repair the engine and I go back and he comes up to me, he says, hey, did you find out how much? I said, yeah, it was 800 and he said, I got it. So one stranger paid for the brakes, he paid for $800 and I'm, I'm like in shouting mode right now. I'm just like, Jesus, you're on the throne. I love you so much. I owe you my life, really. And um, and uh, so I come back the next day and he, this guy that covered 800 is more excited than I am. True story. He comes up and he goes, Russ, hey, uh, we got to go to for a drive. I'm thinking they're never going to find my body. What, what's going to happen? This, he's going to kill me. So he goes, no, no, no. He said, I'm so excited. We got to go. So we, we go for a ride. He said, he said, I have been struggling so much financially. He said, and I've not sold a car in two months. He said, but when I saw you walking across the lot, God spoke to me and said, go take care of that young man. He said, and last night I sold two cars and I sold one more this morning. And he said, I just want to tell you, if you don't know this, that God is faithful. And I said, oh, I know God's faithful. And here's the deal. I, I, I don't know about you. If I'm in your seat, I hear those kind of stories. I wish every story was in a beautiful ribbon like that. It not always has been that way. It hasn't always been that way. There, there's sometimes I'm like, God, your timing is a little slow. Where are you? I'm waiting for you. But what I have found out is this. In the long arc of my life, if I'll steward well, whatever he gives me, even through my mistakes, I have discovered that it is impossible to outgive God. I've discovered that the resources of heaven can never be exhausted and that God is able to take my little and multiply it. And because I'm long-winded, we're running out of time, but I just want to tell you that money, opportunities, 
A few more is health, relationships. You're only given one body. How are you stewarding the body God's given you? How, how, what am I putting into my body? How am I taking care of the one temple of the Holy Spirit that I have because I only get one? How am I stewarding my relationships? How am I stewarding my, my opportunities? You know, so many times if I, I've been in your seat where I'm like, okay, you have the mic. That's the opportunity. But here's the deal. At your work and school, you'll reach people that I never could. There are people in your circle that I'll never have a voice into. The, so your opportunity might be as a single mom to raise world changers. To raise somebody that's going to change the climate of this community by the power of God. What is the small thing? You know, we're inspired a lot at our church by a large ministry in Charlotte, North Carolina, Elevation Church. They run about 25,000 people. And I'll never forget watching Pastor Rick, the, the small groups meeting. And Pastor Stephen Ford, the, the pastor of that church, he stood in front of small group leaders. And he said, my claim to fame at this church is I was the first ever small group leader of Elevation Church. Twelve families. And he said, and you can ask them, I preach with the same passion to twelve families as I do today to 25,000 people. Because Zechariah says, despise not the day of small beginnings. He said, and I almost have to wonder sometimes if I had despised that and treated that like a small thing, if God would have ever exploded what he's done. What is the thing in your life and in my life that seems like a small thing? Well, I'm just a single mom. I, I just work this. I sell paper clips for a living, Pastor Russ. So that sounds all wonderful and inspiring. But what could God do with somebody that sells paper clips for a living? You have no idea what God could do through the small thing when it's put in the hands of Almighty God. There's a story, and I'm going to close with this. Uh, I don't know if we have any biography nerds in the room. Any? One. <laughs> Astounding. I'm just going to trust by faith that 400 raised their hands in Lancaster. So. But George Washington Carver fascinates me. Incredible biography. This is a guy that was born without a lot in his hand. A very poor farmer family, young African-American. And he went off to college and studied really, really hard. Got to the college he was accepted at, but this was early in last century. And because he was African-American, they turned him away and said, no, you can't come here to college. Long story short, he ends up finally through just a whole complicated mess. He ends up at Tuskegee Institute. And he's a botanist, an agricultural mind. He just applies himself. And one day, true story, you can read it in his biography. I just, I, I just have faith that every single one of you are going to go home and purchase this book and you're going to spend your Sunday afternoon with a latte reading over George Washington Carver's biography. But in case you don't, he goes out one day into the field and he says, God, he had a relational track with God. And he said, God, would you speak to me? How, how did you make the universe? And he just kind of just sensed and felt God respond to him. George, your mind can't comprehend that. And some of you are excited. I'm about to find the mysteries of the universe. But God spoke to him and said, you, you would never be able to understand that. And he said, okay. Well, God, just teach me how you made a man. Like, how did you make a human being? And again, he just kind of sensed the response in his heart that, George, your mind couldn't comprehend that. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. And so finally, out of frustration, George Washington Carver, true story, said, then God, would you just teach me about the peanut? At the time, the peanut was kind of the black sheep of the agricultural industry. It was nothing. Cotton was king. Peanut was nothing. And as history records it, George Washington Carver said he went into what amounted to about a 48-hour trance. Two full days he didn't eat. He didn't sleep. 
He didn't do anything. And George Washington Carver began to break down the code of a peanut. And apparently, there's a lot of uses, and you probably know this for the peanut. You can make milk out of peanuts. You can make paint out of peanuts. You can make all kind of uh, food products out of peanuts. But by the end of George Washington Carver's life, there were over 300 individual patents of products made from the peanut. About this time, a plague goes through uh, south, the southeast, wipes out cotton. So George Washington Carver is discovering the power of a peanut. He invites the U.S. Senate to come down. And at Tuskegee Institute, George Washington Carver has a meal prepared for the entire U.S. Senate of products just made from peanut. They all said, this is the greatest meal of our lives. He said, well, congratulations. You just had a meal made from nothing but peanuts. A tariff was passed. Peanut became king, and it saved the entire U.S. economy. All because a guy got down on his knees with a little thing in his hand and said, God, can you teach me about a peanut? And just so you don't ever forget this message, because I don't know if you're aware of this, the greatest marriage in heaven is that between chocolate and peanut butter. I don't know if I have any Reese's fans in the house. So that you don't forget this message, both at Lancaster and Lithopolis, there is a Reese's peanut butter cup attached to the bottom of your seat. And you go ahead and reach down. And I got you. Just kidding. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, don't hate me. It's okay. You can go buy one later at the gas station. like 50 cents. So it may be, it may be a job that you feel no purpose in. It may be some relationships that you wonder, why am I even in these relationships? It may be just a little bit of money. It may be just some loaves and fishes. And you feel like Jesus is telling you to change the world. It could be a staff in your hand like Moses. It could be something as small as a peanut. But I want to remind somebody in this room today that there is no limit to God's power when we take the things that he's put in our hands, our time, our money, our resources, and say, God, it may not seem like much, but I'm going to steward it. I'm going to knock it out of the park for the glory of God. I am, I'm going to waste no amount of energy, whether I was, what is it Martin Luther King Jr. said? If you're going to be a street sweeper, be the best street sweeper that heaven's ever seen. Whatever you've given me, I'm going to murder that thing for the glory of God. I'm going to invite the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God into the middle of that. I'm going to ask you to breathe on it. And God, there's no limit to what you can do in and through my life. And I just want to speak to your expectancy today. I want to speak to people in this room that stopped dreaming a long time ago. God wants to awaken inside of you the faith that says God can do anything. You know the message translation of Ephesians 3.20, I love it sometimes. Just to rekindle that childlike faith in me, I'll read the message translation outside and I'll look in the mirror because the message translation says this. It says God can do anything, you know. Mm. Some of you, some of us have been in church too long. and You just need some simple faith that God can do anything, you know. Far more than you've ever imagined. There's no situation in your life too hard for God not to turn it around and turn upside down for his glory. There's no limit to what he wants to do in and through your life and my life. And some of us in the room, as I prayed over you today, you need a reminder not just that you have in your hands what you need to make a difference, but you have your, in your hands what you need to just make it through today and tomorrow. That in a crowd there's this size, there are some people in this room that have buried a loved one this year. You got a smile on today, but you cried yourself to sleep different times this past week. And you've wondered if anybody even cares. And the Holy Spirit wants you to know today that he's got you right where he has you in the hollow of his hand. 
And in your hands is everything you need to make it to tomorrow. And what it might be in your hands is simply the story of God's faithfulness yesterday. That God, I didn't know how I was going to make it through that valley. But I made it by your power and your grace. I never thought I'd make it through that storm. I never knew how I was going to see the light of day. But I remember you brought me through that storm. And that's going to be the story in my hands, the weapon in my hands to take down the giant of fear in front of me that says you're not going to make it. And I'm going to say I am going to make it. I will live and not die, says the Lord. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. I'm going to charge hell with a water pistol because I got God Almighty on the inside of me. I got the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave pulsating in me, the wind of the spirit in my chest. And I'm going to make it. And I'm just going to tell you, today's a beautiful day to go home and not just steward this. Some of you today, you're going to have the opportunity to bring a year-end offering next week as a faith experience. Say, this is what's in my hand. Some of you, you're going to be at open house today. If you're, if you're not part of this church, you're going to have the opportunity today to join after the uh, last experience at 1 o'clock and be a part of knowing what it's like to be plugged into this place. Would you stand and let me pray with you? Jesus, we are running out of time with this weird, long-winded preacher, but we just thank you for your presence that's in this room. Seal this word by the power of the Holy Spirit. Reawaken dreams. Reignite passion. I speak to every broken heart that you'd heal it. I speak to every wounded spirit that you would encourage it. And cause us to dream again for the things that matter most in this life. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Hey, thank you so much for allowing me to share with you. Can you give Jesus one more time the loudest expression of praise all day?